The Last Supper with Steph DeSosa. Thanks for dropping by. Come and sus Steph's Life Spice. All her socials at spicysteph.com. Michelle Shops. She started her company Love and Bone Broth from her tiny kitchen at home five years ago and established an almost cult-like following right from the beginning. Michelle is a really busy mum and businesswoman, but her philosophy around food is what has drawn me to her. I think Michelle and I have a very similar thought process in that we want to show our kids love through our food and we want them to be nourished we want to teach them how to feed themselves and we want them to be healthy and responsible adults grab a wine and dm steph she'd love to hear what your last supper would be and what wine you're drinking Michelle, thank you for coming along today. My pleasure. Lovely to be here. Listen, I've, I've been a bit of a fangirl for a little while of yours, a, a silent fangirl, I guess, through social media and reading your blog. So it really oh. is lovely to actually speak with you. Thanks, Beth. You have a really interesting cultural background, don't you? I do. It's very rich and deep, and there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot there. My father is German, and my mother is French, and my great-aunt is Hungarian. So that side of the family is Jewish, my mother's side, and my father is, like, German Catholic. So it was always very deep and rich and full of drama. (laughs) (laughs) Like all good Europeans are, right? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So I'm I'm the first generation Australian. Oh, really? You're the first generation? Wow. I am, yeah, and my kids are the second. And, yeah, so I grew up just completely surrounded. I mean, every memory I have is food-related. I can imagine. I can just imagine. What an amazing way to grow up. For me, that just makes me so happy and I'm so jealous. Yeah, (laughs) yes. No, it was very – it was quite incredible, actually. And I only just really appreciated as an adult and a mother – that I got to experience all of that because I've, you know, being in the food industry now, I've noticed that not many people have that. Like, I just take a lot of stuff for granted, but actually what I was exposed to is very lucky. Yeah, it's, it's a priceless experience as a foodie to be able to delve into your own experiences as a kid. And it just, I find it just is so influential isn't it? In, into what you do into the future. Yeah, it's pretty much mapped my path. I didn't know that, by the way. Until mm-hmm. I turned 40, did I know that that was actually going to be my career, but it was always my passion. It was always what I knew. It's actually what came naturally to me with okay. cooking and flavours. And I think because I was exposed to so much, and now looking back, I think, oh, God, I, someone should have known that I was going to be in the, you know, in the food world in some way, shape or form by every part of my life and every experience. But, yeah, I don't know where to start. Like, oh, that's amazing. So tell me, what did so you much. do before you were 40? So obviously you started on this um, big journey when you were 40 of, of making it a career. But prior to that, what did you well, do? Well, I was a model to start mm-hmm. off with. That was how I grew up. And then I had children mm-hmm. and I kind of was a mother. I yeah. have been a mother for, tw- you know, 20 years now. And I had a, a photographic studio that I used to cater for shoots. So I had a okay. studio. My partner is a fashion photographer. Mm-hmm. And I would cater for the shoots, and it was just something that I did. And I cooked for everyone. Like there was, um, you know, everyone knew that I, I, there was always food going on. So when my kids were little, it was other mums. We used to cook together. And then I started sort of doing food packages for people. Like someone was sick or someone had had a baby or there was some kind of need. I would cook something delicious. And then it sort of became a career because, you know, I always made broth. 
Yeah. Uh, I always had a pot on the stove always growing up. That was a staple in our house. So is that a cultural had... thing or is that a – because well, I mean, bone broth is a really yeah. trendy thing now for very good reasons because it's fabulous for your health. But is that is – that... Back, like you said, you had it on the stove all the time when you were a child? Yeah, it wasn't a cool thing. I, I was kind of shocked when I actually went into this as a career because I just assumed it was a staple in everybody's house. Oh, did you? As, <laughs> as a child. Yeah, <laughs> because I've always had it. Um, my yeah. auntie, who's actually my great auntie, she's like my grandmother, mm-hmm. she is Hungarian Jew. So going to her house, every time I went to her house, there was some form of chicken soup or, yeah. or, or broth. Yeah. which is what we would just call it chicken soup. Yeah. So there was either matzo ball or we had pasta and chicken in it or whatever, but it was always on the table as part of our meal. So you would start um, with that or, or you would incorporate that into your oh, meal every meal? No, it was always, no, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it was incorporated into all different dishes from paprika chicken to goulash to wow. goulash soup. It was always included, but it was my favourite thing. Oh, so really? whenever I, yeah, so whenever I was from, the earliest age I can remember, matzo ball soup was my thing. <laughs> wow, that's like, amazing. It, it is, I mean, it is the best thing. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing better than a bowl of matzo ball soup. And what about your children? In my opinion. Do they love it? Yeah. I mean, my soup is delicious. It's not like any other bone broth on the market. And I guess it's, it's called bone broth just because people, it's kind of a trendy yeah. thing. It was, you know, can be called anything. We just call it soup at home. Mm-hmm. But they've had it since they were born, yeah. all of them, and they have it every day in some way, now. shape or form. Yeah, wow. They still do now. And my eldest daughter is 20 and my middle one is 16 and my little baby is 10. He's not that much of a baby. But every single meal they have, they either have a bowl of soup or it is, or I cook with it and they love it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better. A big they bowl of love. It. A big bowl of love. Yeah. And, you know, my eldest and my youngest are a bit more kind of into it things that are a bit richer and, you know, I can sort of try flavours on them. But my middle daughter, she likes everything very plain. Yeah. Her favourite thing is just pasta and soup. Oh, yum. You know, pretty much every night and a salad and a piece of meat. That's kind uh, of her idea. Look, it could dinner. be worse, right? You could be eating worse things. Oh, it could be worse, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know what? It's kind of like fast food because, you know, you do one big cook-up or you buy your broth. And people think, well, what do, I have to, what do I do with it? Well, you don't have to do anything with it. You just... It's the perfect fast food. Warm it up, make some pasta or some rice or nothing yeah, and just eat that. Absolutely. And I find whenever I eat bone broth, it's called soup in our house too, by the way. Um, I just feel like... It's. I can almost feel it cleaning my body as it goes through. I just feel good oh, when I eat it. It is the most comforting thing and yeah. it is. It is. So, I mean, we, we all – Europeans were spoiled because – that's how they lived, in, especially when people had no money. Like my, both my parents come from very varied backgrounds. Like my mother, she was in an orphanage most of her life, okay. and her family were, you know, my my auntie's family were in the, you know, the Holocaust and the concentration camps, yeah. and so they were very poor, and they had to find ways of making food and making it stretch. And my father, the same, was also they lived off the land, so it was whatever they could get their hands on. Yeah. And, you know, bones and scraps, that's how broth began. And they always had it. It was always a staple because it was cheap. Yeah, and it, it goes such a long way always, with such a small amount, doesn't it? Ex- 
exactly. You can use the ends bits and the peels and the whatever that, you know, the the more wealthy people probably, they probably sold that on to somebody else, but they got to keep those little scrap bits that made the most, probably the most beautiful part of it. Well, yeah, and also, you know, it was not only was it nourishing and comforting, but it was like a complete meal because, um, you know, all the goodness in that. You don't need a lot more. You know, they would have pasta. They would fill it out with potatoes or pasta, stodgy starches that could fill them up a little bit more and make it stretch longer. Yeah, but all the fats in it, it was a complete meal. Mm. And these days they have broths that are either a beef or there's a chicken. But actually, in the olden days, such the olden days, (laughs) um, not very long ago, but yeah, they didn't have one or the other. So this is why in at my business, Love and Bones Broths, yeah. I do do chicken and we do do beef. We do original, which is a mixture of bones both. because yeah. that's traditionally how it was made. And do you it just use the, the beef or the chicken or do you, in your mixture, do you use other bones as well? Uh, well, not at work. At home okay, I do. Like do. if I had a lamb bone or mm. turkey or whatever I might have, like even it. a pork bone, I would use it because yep. for me it's, there's so many different things, but that's different when you're doing it at home, when you're doing it on scale. Oh, as absolutely. You probably know, it's, it's Very different. Much harder. Very different. Yeah. So, um, so but we do use all the scraps. We try and have as little waste as possible, which yeah. means, you know, we're making a soup and we're peeling a ton of carrots or we're using garlic. We make sure we hold all the skins of those yeah. and we wash them and we use them in our broth so there's no waste. Oh, that's amazing. So everything goes into it. Everything. Yeah. See, when I make my broth at home, that's the same. I don't even peel. My onions go in with the skins, my garlic. And if you're buying beautiful organic fruit and vegetables, they just need a wash, don't they? That's it. Yeah, they do. be part of it. Yeah. And that's the most important thing is that when we shop, we shop consciously and we make sure that we buy unsprayed. It doesn't have to be organic. It just has, we just have to know where it comes from and we have to trust the people. They're growing it. They're, they're doing the right thing. Yeah, trust trust the supplier. Is this a five-headed iTunes podcast? If so, leave a review. If not, fuck you. So tell me, given Thanks. your rich family history, have you thought about what your last supper might be if you had to choose oh, today? Oh, can I have a feast? Oh, you can have whatever you like. There's no rules. Okay. No rules. <laughs> Because there's like a list of things that I would want to eat at my last feast. Yeah. And mainly, okay, so let's start with my father. My father is famous for making a German dish called Käsespätzle, which we call Käsespätzle. That's the the, uh, Australian slang version of what it is. (laughs) Käsespätzle. Okay, what is it? Yeah. Kaisfetchle, that's how they would say it in mm-hmm. German, is a dough, a pasta dough, yeah. kind of, like with eggs and flour and milk and water, salt and pepper. Mm. And we have a spätzle machine, which is kind of like uh, nockedly. Do you know nockedly? Yes. Hungarian, like a fresh pasta, like a dumpling. Yeah. So we have a um, spätzle machine and he makes the spätzle, which is yeah. the little pasta. And then it's baked in the oven a layer, he makes it every time we go to Melbourne, oh, <laughs> um, and you get Emmental cheese and Gruyere cheese, yeah. and I use like a smelly mountain cheese that I can get in Sydney, mm-hmm. which is beautiful, so really strong, pungent cheeses, and it's, he makes the pasta, one layer of pasta, and then the cheese on top, one layer of cheese, and then he layers it upon layer upon layer yeah. until it's at the top, and whilst he's doing all of that, he's frying onions till they're 
really caramelised and mm. sweet and brown. Yeah. And then the Kay's spatula is topped with the onions mm. and in a Le Creuset pot and it's baked in the yeah. oven. So all the cheese melts with all the pasta. Then it's served on the table with a layer of fresh parsley. So the whole top is green. And yeah. so when you dive in with your spoon, you get a bit of everything. So you uh-huh. get it. It's like really cheesy and melty. And we eat that with a really garlicky, crisp green salad. Mm, yeah. So that would be one of the dishes. That sounds <laughs> because amazing. I have never heard anything like that before in my life. Well, I have it the recipe incredible. on my. I have. I have the recipe on my first blog. So oh, that do was like you? my second recipe. Yeah, I ever did. Everyone has to make it. It seems really hard, but it's actually really easy. Once you've made it once, you never go back. You wow. have to. You I, I am I am it. definitely gonna go and look that one up because that sounds like my kind of food. Oh, it I is. Love it. Uh, if you were closer, you could come over and I'd make it for you. Oh, oh really. thank you. That's so sweet of you. Maybe <laughs> I have to make an effort to come closer. <laughs> yeah, that would be lovely. Um, so and what's next what, on what the feast? My auntie's blush. Oh, her gosh, goulash, yeah. What's so special hot. about it? I don't know. It's just the best goulash I have. Can I say that she doesn't actually make it anymore because she's had a few food issues herself, like with, you know, as you get older, yeah. even the elderly suffer from FODMAP issues. Absolutely. So she's actually stopped making it, but I have taken over and I can make it. I, I hate to say this out loud because, you know, if they ever listen to this. I probably get slapped, but she. <laughs> Given to take it over, I can. Yeah, <laughs> I make it pretty mean for last now and again. Another, I think that's on my blog as well. So I think oh, I yeah. at one point was like, I have to write this down so that I would never forget it because she is eighty-four years oh, old. And, yeah, you know, the time will come one day where I have to remember these. Yeah, these absolutely. And I am. Yeah, I, so that is also written down. But she, it was just, it was just the flavour and the way she would put it together again with Knockedly. The meat, for some reason, no matter what meat she uses, if she didn't even have to cook it for very long, it still would always melt in your mouth. Yeah, well, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So I wonder if she did something then, special to it. No, I don't think she does. Yeah, that's well. right. I think it's just the older generation, for some reason, even, you know, some of my friends, Italian mothers, for yeah. instance, just can cook things and they just taste. Yeah, they just have the knack, don't they? And a lot of the time, I think it's just the time that they spend, you know, it's just... The love and care and attention they give it's to each love. little bit of the dish. I agree. I think if we all just loved our food a little bit more yeah. um, when we're cooking, it just it definitely comes out uh, it's, when, you're, when someone else is eating it. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. So have you got any more dishes on um, your feast? Matzah balls, of course. I would have, it would to, have be. to be there. Yep. <laughs> it would have to be there. And then i got to say, like, this might not sound very exciting, but just a really huge selection of smelly cheeses. Oh, you are talking my language. Yeah, I think that's the French side of me. Like, oh my God, I cannot. We just went to Paris last year around this time and my middle child and myself and she said, Mum, you know, in the the fridge in our hotel just was that 10 different smelly cheeses. It was all... So inexpensive. Yeah, and amazing. That's what we live on. Oh, yeah, so beautiful. When you have your your smelly cheese, what do you have it with? Do you have it with bread, or do you have it with a cracker, or what? How do you eat it normally, or just on its um, own in a big well, chunk? Here, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, I can eat it. Just I'm guilty you. of that um, too my, myself. Yeah. 
good. And when, you know, like my kids are also very into smelly cheese and it's kind of an expensive habit here in yeah. Sydney. But I love it on pear and apple. That's my favourite way of oh, eating yum. it. Yeah, I'm big on that. And even peach, like when peaches are in season. I like oh, them yum. kind of crunchy, a bit firm and a little bit tart but sweet. That's my favourite. Mm, yum. And the smelly cheeses um, are so good for our guts, aren't they? They have so many great oh um, bacteria in it that is just so good for us. But exactly. I think you just got to get the good cheeses that are less, you know, there's, there's not much of a process. You're going to have all the goodness in them. And, you know, I don't know, I think you can get raw milk cheeses here. But, you know, that's the best way to go. Oh, I absolutely. Think. You just have to hunt for them, though, don't you? You do. You can't there's, find them at Coles, sadly. No, you can't. <laughs> And if only we were all blessed to have markets like they have in Paris where the cheese is just abundant and it's affordable and it's incredible and, you know... Yeah, look, Australia is slowly getting this farmer's market culture, but sadly it's only ever once a week normally where what well, is where yeah. I live and, you know, it's just, it's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough well, for you me. Well, you know, I, yeah, I agree and I think that we also just need to get more of the makers. You know, there's ones that, you know, maybe don't get as much publicity. We need to get them out there because yeah. they're doing the good product, Yeah, the, the mass-produced ones. You know, I think a lot of the markets aren't actually – there's only a few that are really getting the smaller producers in. Yeah, We need to see more of that. Yeah, I and I think because I'm up in Newcastle, so we tend to get more of those smaller little producers at our markets, which is lovely because oh, we're a bit more lucky. countryfied, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Spoiled. Yeah, we are a little yeah. bit. It's nice. Now tell me, <laughs> do you have a dessert on your Last Supper feast? Oh, yeah, I'm a ma- I'm a massive sweet tooth. Oh, really? Um, See, I didn't realise that. I thought you would be such yeah, a no. such a good girl when it came to desserts. Oh no, I'm so not a good girl. But I believe that we shouldn't deprive ourselves of anything. Yeah, yeah? I so agree. Everything in moderation, and let's just not eat processed foods. That's my thing. Let's not eat anything in plastic. Yeah, that's my main philosophy in the way I eat. I have got a massive sweet tooth, and to be honest, I'm trying to think of what my favourite thing is. Really hard. My my auntie makes this palashente. I can't remember the name of it. Mm. It's, it's, it's like a pancake. She makes crepes, like paper thin crepes. Yeah. And she does each layer. I've had this since I was a little kid. She would do a layer of ground walnuts with cinnamon sugar. Oh, yeah. So that she just mix, you know, grinds it down yeah. the, the walnuts with a little bit of icing sugar and a little bit of cinnamon. So mm-hmm. there'd be one layer of the walnuts and then you, another crepe goes on top and then there's a layer of apricot jam mm. and pretty much layer upon layer upon layer all the way so it's the size of a cake yeah. and then you cut it down the middle and then you make a really dark chocolate sauce. Wow, that good. sounds very different. Um, yeah, well, I look, I love every dessert. That's, that's the honest to God truth. I like to eat desserts that are in season. I don't eat desserts very often. Yeah. But, yeah, if I was to eat a dessert, it would be something like that or just something really fresh. Yeah, something fruity, like something fruity, fruit in like season. A, yeah. With some smelly season, cheese. In season. <laughs> yes, always smelly cheese. Oh, my God. Yes, please. That'll do. Um, but I also do love – I do love chocolate. I'm known – I'm a bit of a chocoholic. Yeah, yeah, and that sounds delicious. Actually, I read something the other day and it's always been my philosophy but I never really had articulated it before and I can't even remember where I read it to give them credit to be honest but they said you can have apple pie and ice cream for dessert 
every night if you want but you have to make the ice cream and you have to make the pastry and you have to go to the market and buy those apples and all those kinds of things and I guarantee you if you tell yourself that you can have whatever you want as long as you make it from scratch you won't eat it every night anymore (laughs) and I thought that's really a great philosophy it absolutely is and I'm the same like I, I try and teach my kids this too that Let's just eat in season. So whatever's in season, let's eat that. It will always taste more delicious. Let's try and make things, like if we were to make a pastry, let's try and make it without refined sugar. Yeah. Let's swap that out and use maple or use maple sugar even, something else to counter counterbalance that, to make it a little bit healthier and also to make it taste more delicious. Yeah. And let's find other ways of making an ice cream, for instance. I mean, there's always ways to do it. And it, you're right, if you take the time to make that, you're not going to want to eat it all the time because, one, it takes time yeah. to make something delicious and you'll savour it more. It'll be more enjoyable and you'll look at it more like it's a treat. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think the whole movement of scratch cooking is such an important movement, particularly in Australia, in creating our own food culture. It is so great. It, it makes me really excited for the future for our kids. Like, yeah, I'm me trying too. to teach my kids just basic, you know, I think it's in schools, for instance, really lacking. You know, kids can navigate their way through a device very easily, but they can't navigate themselves through general life skills. Things. Yeah, which is amazing because um, so our I kids are so clever that they could do it if they so were just clever. shown the way. They just need to be shown the way and make and it be made a priority for them like learning technology is a priority for them now. It's kind of crazy. I, just, I, I would love to be able to bring that back somehow, teaching them really basic cooking skills and trying to show them how making really great food and delicious food is so easy you don't need to it doesn't need to be processed it doesn't need to be in packaging you know let's teach them basic skills yeah and that's just so incredibly important i think for the future of our kids for obesity for health and and for our mental health as well i think that plays a mainly mainly for that in my opinion i agree because i can see it in myself you know if i'm not eating properly I can see that suffers. It it just is so obvious that there's such a big link. It's my number one thing. It's like, you know, we have that in our family and just we've noticed with our eldest child through diet, her moods are just completely altered from when she eats really well to when she doesn't eat very well. Yeah, it's amazing, um, isn't it? Yeah, and if we can just teach them that, we don't have – our kids don't need to be put on drugs to make themselves feel better. They just need to get out in the fresh air. They need to exercise. Yeah. They just need to eat well. Yeah, and being made aware – of them to notice that themselves. So pointing it out to them, do you realise how you ate yesterday and how you're feeling today? Because if you don't want to feel like that, then maybe tomorrow eat differently. Put the different fuel in your body. Yeah, you know what, though, it it mainly lies with us as parents, though, because a lot of adults haven't been taught, so they can't teach their own kids. Yeah, it's kind of our generation that have missed that point, isn't it? And that makes me very sad. And guilty, too. I guess all we can do is try and advocate and continue to do the best. We can just try and do do better. Yeah, you know, just do that yeah. and, and keep singing the song and hopefully other people will catch on. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> no. I'll do my best. Yeah, me too. Thanks. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and Thanks, thank you for Steph. sharing a little bit about your family. Thank you too. Bye, Michelle. If you don't follow Steph, book you. The links are all there at spicysteph.com.